This morning, we are continuing in our sermon series, Church Social, which invites us to take a look at a unique part of Methodism, the social principles. As Pastor Eric shared last week, the Book of Resolutions reminds us that the United Methodist Church believes God's love for the world is an active and engaged love, a love seeking justice and liberty. When we look to our social principles, we are looking to find a common mission as we put our faith in action. Last week, we learned about the first section of the social principles, the natural world. And this week, we are going to be moving into the second section of the current social principles, the nurturing community, which moves us from looking at the created world around us to remembering our own creation, our own being, and how we live together as humans created in God's image. This is important for us as Methodists because we follow John Wesley's teaching that the gospel of Christ knows no religion but social, no holiness but social holiness. We believe that to truly be people of faith, we need one another. If you're receiving our midweek emails, you may have watched the video on Wednesday from Dr. Susan Henry Crow, who is the General Secretary of the Board of Church and Society for the Methodist Church. In this video, she is sharing what we believe about social holiness. And she points out that social holiness calls us together for one purpose and invites us to journey alongside each other, sometimes beside someone who on the surface seems completely different than us. It's this community that is formed by faith that draws us to a place where we can be nurtured and where we can grow. And we see this throughout scripture, but especially in the story of Jesus Christ. You may remember that Jesus at the beginning of his ministry goes out and calls 12 people to be his disciples, to walk alongside him as he journeys throughout the region, bringing the news of God's love and God's grace to the people he meets. Jesus formed a community to carry him in ministry. And we as people of faith are called to form our own nurturing communities. Now you might be wondering, what do these communities look like? How do we know if we're building our communities in a way that nurtures other people? Well, luckily for us, in his life, Jesus sought to take the law and the teaching and to embody it and to teach us how to be in relationship. And in Mark 12, we come to a place in scripture where Jesus has just been questioned by legal experts about taxes and divorce. And he steps aside and a legal expert comes to him and asks him how he should order his life around God's greatest commandment. This morning, our reading comes from Mark 12. It's verses 28 through 34. And I'm going to be reading from the Common English Bible. Hear now these words of God. One of the legal experts heard their dispute and saw how well Jesus answered them. He came over and asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus replied, the most important one is Israel, listen. Our God is the one Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your being, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You will love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The legal expert said to him, Well said, teacher. You have truthfully said that God is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love God with all of the heart, a full understanding and all of one's strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more important than all kinds of entirely burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered with wisdom, he said to him, you aren't far from God's kingdom. After that, no one dared ask him any more questions. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Sounds easy enough, right? Love God, love others. Two things. You can say it in four words. And yet we all know that this is the hardest thing we've ever been asked to do because the kind of love that Jesus is calling us to, the kind of love that God commands, is not a shallow or superficial love. It's a type of love that calls us past our differences, that calls us past simply tolerating one another to truly seeking to understand one another and be an honest, open relationship with one another. It calls us to look at our neighbor, no matter how different they are from us, and to say, this is a beloved child of God. Our social principles tell us that when we can hone in on these greatest commandments, when we can seek to live out loving God and loving other, then we begin to form a nurturing community. And here is how this section defines that. The community provides the potential for nurturing human beings into the fullness of their humanity. We believe that we have a responsibility to innovate, sponsor, and evaluate new forms of community that will encourage development of the fullest potential in individuals primary for us is the understanding that all persons are important. Because they are human beings created by God and loved through and by Jesus Christ, and not because they have merited significance. We therefore support social climates in which human communities are maintained and strengthened for the sake of all persons and their growth. To truly be a nurturing community, to truly live into loving God and loving others as ourselves, we have to create spaces where all people can grow. This means that we have to do the difficult and sometimes uncomfortable work of addressing those things that would break down community or cause another to feel anything less than a beloved child of God. The social principle points us to the following places to begin this work of understanding and compassion. Culture and identity, the family, marriage, divorce, single persons, women and men, human sexuality, family violence and abuse, sexual abuse, sexual harassment, abortion, ministry to those who have experienced an abortion, adoption, faithful care for dying persons, suicide, sexual assault, pornography, and bullying. In this section of the social principles, 
the focus on these areas is not related to rights. It's not about rights related to these areas, but more about how we understand each of them and how our knowledge can be used to empower others. They also help us see how sometimes when we use our power to harm other people, we break down community. That's why you see things together like family, but you also see sexual harassment because this is about defining both the things that make us ourselves to the fullest and the things that deny our full humanity. For example, in giving us guidance on how to form a nurturing community, the social principles say this, that language of a derogatory nature with regard to race, nationality, ethnic background, gender, sexuality, and physical differences does not reflect value for one another and contradicts the gospel of Jesus Christ. It goes on to urge us to embrace and nurture cultural identity and to reject any idea that would seek to put one culture or one identity above another. You see how the social principles are not only calling to our attention, these dynamics and relationships that exist in community, but also helping us understand how we navigate them so that love is shown above anything else. It's reminding us that even our words or maybe especially our words, have the power to build up or tear down community. And so if we're seeking to be people of faith and we truly believe that we're called to the work of building nurturing communities, we have to be mindful of ourselves and what we say or what we don't say, of how we build these communities and what messages we might be sending by the ways we function, again, overtly and covertly. Now you might imagine this is very difficult work and I'm sure that if you heard that list this morning, you probably cringed a little bit because these are not easy topics to talk about. These are topics that really get at the heart of how we treat one another. And the truth is that the topics that are in this list are not exhaustive and they're not a fixed thing either. The social principles are changing and how we define ourselves in relation to the nurturing community changes. Once every four years, Methodists get together for something we call General Conference. And at this meeting, the entire Book of Discipline, which contains the social principles, is on the table for a rewrite. It can be edited, amended, changed. However someone proposes a resolution, it can happen by the votes of that body. And so we as Methodists have seen the social principles evolve and change over time. We've seen how through thoughtful prayer and discernment, how seeking God's will for the world in this time and this moment, using the knowledge that we have, can bring us to a new understanding, a new understanding of one another and a new understanding of how we embrace each other in community. One example of this came up for Methodists starting in about 1884, before the United Methodist Church even existed. Methodists in reading scripture and in understanding the world around them said that divorce is not of God, that divorce has to happen and in some occasions is the best solution for people in a relationship, that they would break that relationship for the good of each individual. But what the church at that time said was that if one became divorced, they would not remarry. 
that remarriage after divorce was not something condoned by the Methodist Church. And so the Methodist Church forbade any clergy who was divorced from serving. No clergy could remarry someone who had been divorced. And it stayed this way for a long time, even through the writing of the social principles as we know them today. And then in 1972, when they were gathered at the general conference level, the committee in charge of the social principles had resolutions before them that said, I don't know if this is really what God is calling us to do or be. Maybe there's an understanding about the covenant of marriage that we're missing here. And so in 1972, they amended the social principles to affirm second marriages. They amended the social principles to say that while no one hopes to get divorced, it does happen. And that we hope that families can do this in a way that is equitable if and um, agreeable to both parties, especially if children are involved. But we also acknowledge that God honors covenant commitments and that there may be a case where a person finds love again and wants to marry again and the church wants to be a part of that covenant with them. So you see the social principles are in some ways a living document just as we believe scripture is. They change as our knowledge and experience of community changes. And that means that sometimes we add to our social principles not only things that might open up a category of understanding, such as in the case of divorce, but we may also put in words of caution. You can see this with the example of pornography. You know, in our world that has become more and more prolific and, and that section's not always been in our social principle, but as people got together and they prayed about what is it in our community that's really hurting people, that's breaking down relationship. They said, you know, we got to address this. We got to talk about this. We have to understand where we as people of faith respond to this. When we look at the social principles, we should see them, especially in the section of nurturing community, and we should be challenged by them. We should look at these issues and we shouldn't say, well, that's clear and very black and white and this is good and this is bad and let's move on. That's not what we're pointing to here in the nurturing community. These are areas that will come up in everyone's life as we relate to one another as human beings. And what this is meant to do is spark within us a curiosity about where God's love can be found in the midst of whatever area it is whether it is acknowledging the fullness of another human being, whether it is ministering to someone in a difficult circumstance, whether it is wrestling with what the faithful response is to issues that plague our communities. The nurturing community of the social principles is pushing us to become more aware of what it means to grow together as people of faith, of what it means to truly honor the greatest commandment, to love God and to really love one another. By calling our attention to these specific places, the social principles are helping us focus on work that is needed to be done. In some ways they're kind of pushing us, making us a little uncomfortable and tense so that we can see that this is an area that might need more work and more dialogue. It, it sort of reminds me of a story do you remember the childhood story of the princess and the pea? It's a fairy tale. We tell it to our kids. It's about a woman who is going to marry a prince, but before she can, she has to prove that she's a princess. And we can get into the whole dynamics of that that are troubling. But 
the point is that she goes to sleep on this stack of mattresses and unbeknownst to her, someone has placed a teeny tiny little pea under the very bottom mattress. All night, the woman tosses and turns. She just can't quite get comfortable, but she can't see what it is that's troubling her. She can't fix it because she has no idea that underneath all of those mattresses is a teeny tiny pea. And when she wakes up the next morning, she tells everyone, I couldn't sleep at all. There's something wrong with these mattresses. And they all rejoice because she's noticed the pea. <laughs> Sometimes I think for us in the church, one of the things that the social principles does, one of the things that we see here in this example of nurturing community is that it calls to our attention these little peas <laughs> that can exist in our lives, these, these areas, these troubling places. Sometimes we can't see them. Sometimes they're buried under 10 mattresses, but we know that something's just not right, that we're not living into our full potential that God has called us to. And so the social principles kind of help us identify what's making us uncomfortable and push us towards the work that we need to do, the work that will resolve this issue that will bring us into a greater reflection of what God desires for us. We have in all of our communities, no matter who we are, no matter where we live, no matter where we are in the world, we have in all of our communities things that have the potential to break relationship, places where we, even well-meaning people, unintentionally hurt one another. We may not readily see these things, just like the princess didn't see the pea. They may be buried under mounds and generations of we've always done it this way, but until we dig down and unearth that, until we dig down and do that deep, hard work, we can't live into what God is calling us to be and what God is calling us to do in the world. Because we can't live into that greatest commandment to truly love God with all of ourselves, all of ourselves, and to love others just as ourselves. For holding even a small pea of judgment or distance between us and someone else, the community where people can grow and flourish in God's love begins to break down. John Wesley talked about it in this way. He actually saw great hope in this work, not fear. He says, when it comes to faith, what a living, creative, active, powerful, thing it is. When it comes to faith, what a living, creative, active, powerful thing it is. It cannot do other than good at all times. It never waits to ask whether there's some good which is to be done. Rather, before the question is raised, it has done the deed and keeps on doing it. One who is not active in this way is, not, is a person without faith. As Wesleyans, we seek to be social people, to be people who relate to others. We seek to put our faith in action. We believe that God's love in the world is active and engaged, seeks liberty and justice, embraces the fullness of humanity, not because of who we are, but because of who God is. Because of all of this, as people of faith, we are excited to be creative, to live an active, 
powerful life of faith that doesn't wait for someone to tell us there's a problem, that seeks out anything that could be a stumbling block and works to remove it. I think this is such a beautiful reminder of what we can be as people of faith and what the church can be as a nurturing community. And it makes me wonder today, how are we working with our faith? How are we living out our faith? to create a community where other people can grow into the fullness of their potential. It makes me wonder, Shambly UMC, what are we doing as a church to create nurturing communities where people can come with all of themselves and grow closer to God and closer to neighbor? What are we doing with the areas listed in the nurturing community to make sure that we are addressing Areas in our world where community may break down and where we are honoring areas in our world where community is built up. It makes me wonder today, how can I live out those greatest two commandments? To love God with all of myself and to love my neighbor as myself. This is our work. This is our calling. And this is our deep joy and privilege as people of faith. Let us pray. Gracious God, we are your disciples and we seek to follow you in all that we do. God, we confess that sometimes we are tempted to take the easy way to community, to bypass our differences, to pretend that they don't exist, to exclude people or situations that make us uncomfortable. And yet, God, today we are reminded that you have taught us that we must love one another with all that we have, that if we are to love you with our whole being, we have to dig deep and do hard work. God, help us in this time to reflect on the call that you have made to us as your community of believers to create places and spaces for people to be nurtured and to grow. Help us reflect on how we can, empowered by your love, do this work, not only in our world, but in this local community. God, give us strength. God, help us persevere in this work. God, we love you. We thank you. And we seek you now and always. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.